If you've been listening to this podcast for the past few months, then you know I've been using this platform as almost an escape during the pandemic. I use it to divert my attention away from COVID. We're now almost nine months into this, and most people have figured out how to deal with it and keep going. A lot of people are back to work, either on-site or working from home. But people in entertainment, and I'm talking about really live entertainment, have had their careers put on hold due to COVID, and we are all collectively waiting for a vaccine. Meanwhile, what some people may take for granted, like walking around without a mask, not keeping social distance, musicians I know see this as almost blasphemy. When I see someone walking around with a mask under their nose, I immediately conclude that person is either soft in the head or not of sound mind. Two people casually chatting on the street, standing a foot apart, drives me crazy too. I've said this before and I'll say it here. COVID has become the black light for exposing what I now see as rampant idiocy. It may be an inconvenience or it may be getting tiresome, to take the health guidelines for granted, but a lot of people's lives hang in the balance. A lot of people's careers hang in the balance. Being naturally high strung and wound a little tighter than most, I've been trying my best to chill out about it and not let every passing person's inability to follow health guidelines affect my physical and mental health. It's been a series of mind games I've had to play with myself to keep my eye on the ball without losing faith, without losing hope, and falling deeper into despair. As, as, as much as my job is getting on stage and playing music, the immediate need to get out there and rock has been superseded by the simple wish for a vaccine. Luckily, the last few weeks have brought welcomed vaccine news. Vaccines are on their way, and that's, that's really just fantastic to even blurt out. But I must admit, although I want to get out there and start playing live again, I haven't been consciously missing it. So when I saw Obituaries live stream last month and they played their debut album, Slowly We Rot, I first approached the idea with trepidation and detachment. I was curious, more logistically than anything else, curious to see how the band would pull it off. So when I logged on and they started their set, it was the first time since going into lockdown that I felt that tug, you know, that I felt that pang. And I finally genuinely missed playing live. It made me want to get up there too and start wailing away with the loud volume pulsing through my legs. Obituary were a good band to get the adrenaline flowing again because they are, without a doubt, one of the most crushing, devastating live bands on the planet. If you enjoy heavy music, an obituary show is like getting hit by a sledgehammer over and over again. Actually, I should say it's like getting hit by a groovy, hard-rocking sledgehammer over and over again. Obituary are a sonic fist live. And that night, when they kicked into Slowly We Rot, that same live wallop was magically conveyed through the internet. They did two more weeks of live streams, playing their Cause of Death album the week after, and then two weeks after that, they did rare classics and special tracks, this time from the rehearsal space. It was one of the best live streams I've seen, not just for the music and the performance, but for the genuine camaraderie between the guys. It was, it was nice to see, you know, nice to see the camaraderie between a band. That's, that's my life, and watching it, even though it was another band, um, made me feel really good. And go to obituarylive.com to see it.
I said I use this podcast to divert my attention from the pandemic, but also to see how my fellow musicians are doing to reassure myself that, you know, we're not the only band going through this. It was comforting to talk to Donald Tardy, drummer of Obituary, because Donald always seems upbeat and a perfect person to touch base with during this rough time. So this episode is us catching up. This is Donald's second appearance on the podcast. The first time was episode number 116 back in 2016. So we, so there was a lot of catching up for us to do. I hope you enjoy this episode with one of the best dudes in metal. Well, one of the best dudes in music. Donald Tardy of the Crushing Obituary is on the podcast. Very happy to have him. And it starts now. The Tango Joe's podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Tango's go out to love for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from fucked up. Stop playing. Hang down. Down. Thank you for listening to the Danko Jones podcast. We hope you will enjoy the show. The Danko Jones podcast. Sit back and let the evening go. Jones podcast. It's wonderful to be here. It's certainly a thrill. You're such a lovely audience. We'd like to take you home with us. We'd like to take you home. We'd like to take you home. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. Hey, dude. Hey, Donald. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, dude. So how's it going, man? I mean, uh, congrats on three weeks of uh, live streaming. Yeah, that was uh, that was fun. I mean, I, I won't I won't deny it. I mean, you are you are even probably more in need of being on stage in front of your fans, and I tell you, just just performing. Even even when no live human beings around, it was exhilarating, well needed. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I think what you guys did is, I don't know any other band who's done a live stream who did it the way you do. Uh, awesome. Three weeks, uh, and each show was special and uh, different in a way. I mean, in terms of the setting and the back backdrop and everything, and I thought it was... You know, as someone who performs as well, it was it was nice to see. I didn't miss it until I haven't missed it for the whole pandemic until I saw you guys perform, um, right. and that was uh, it was really nice to watch because I think I was watching the live stream from a kind of a different point of view, really. Well, that's a huge compliment because I I totally get it. You know, I've I've tuned into a, a very few but um a few live streams and um i enjoyed them but um yes just the the, the compliment of saying that it makes you miss it, it i think it makes me feel that we did something proper yeah and the third week which is which is really the fourth week but the third show um the rare classics and special tracks show was i get, i'm assuming it was in your practice space or yeah that's uh that's john's house 
It's my brother's house. We've been there for 20 years. We've recorded the last five albums there. So it, it, you saw it. It's a glorified garage. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we, we converted it about, whatever, probably 12 years ago, um, <clears throat> simply by just purchasing the Pro, Pro Tools rig and, uh, and started recording the albums. You know, and we just track the albums there, and then we, we hand them off to one of our engineers, and they're the ones that do the magic. But, uh, yeah, that was straight right from the practice room. And what I loved about it, I told you in an email, was just the laid back aspect to, of it. It was like we had a, you know, a kind of a bird's eye or a fly on the wall of, of a real obituary or just a real band just jamming and having fun and cracking <laughs> right. jokes and ripping on each other. And that I haven't experienced ever since pan the pandemic too so that was nice to see like <laughs> right on how you know that's how a real band does it like in the space ripping yeah. on each other and that was also very yeah i missed it when i saw that too right it was, on man. it was really you know, nice. well you know Tr trevor and i have known each other since i was uh 11 i think i met him in 1980 so you know even though my brother's my brother trevor's my brother so there's no question that we're super close super best friends not afraid to rip on each other, been, been around each other, you know, with two thirds of our lives. So, uh, and, and we're, we've always been that band to where, you know, we're not afraid to have a good time. We do not take ourselves serious. You know, we take the music serious, but we do not, as you know, we are not the band to have to <clears throat> throw on big, heavy boots and leather pants and jackets to try to emulate some kind of heavy metal thing. Instead, you know, we, we are Florida boys. We love sports. We love messing around with each other and, uh, and having a good time. And that's kind of what everyone, that's kind of what we did. You know, we did not, we didn't try too hard with that third one. We didn't say, Hey, let's, you know, make fun of each other. And well, we, we didn't even really, we didn't do much except, except make sure that the, the stream was going to be proper. The camera angles were, uh, were there, the lighting was okay, and then that was pretty much it. You know, it's the glorified man cave, you know, with the pool mm -hmm. table and everything mm -hmm. else, and uh, and we had a blast, man. Yeah, you could really feel it. And I liked I liked the part where you guys were checking out the, the comments, and you were even ripping on the people who were commenting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I hope everyone know. took that in stride. It it was more of like an inclusionary thing. I thought that was really cool. Well, anyone that's been around my brother long enough, um, nobody's nobody's safe. And 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 it, again, it's an innocent thing. It's not like John's, you know, keeping uh, punchlines in his back pocket to use them. He's just that kind of dude. And I don't care if it's an executive from a record label. If uh, if we're in the middle of a conversation and he can't remember your name, I don't care if it's you know his neighbor next door or an executive. He'll he'll. He'll just call you numb nuts or something if he can't think of your name at the split second. So, so it's just one of those things where you know we're just dudes. You know we're we're just dudes and we're, we've always been just dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was it was great. Now, I guess the next question that I guess is um, to ask you would be: Is the end complete? The next live stream? You know, we haven't we haven't really thought about it. Um, it's the obvious album. Um, we don't want to be predictable. We don't. We don't want to bore fans, but um, we we definitely want to give people what they want, and more importantly, what everybody needs. Because, you know, uh, us, you, every musician friend of ours are on this planet. We're home, and it sucks. 
So, you know, obituaries, we're, you know, I think we're going to continue doing these things. We want to we want to make sure that they're proper, that they're thought of, that we as a band are prepared. And like with the end complete, some of those songs we haven't played in two decades. Um, most of those songs, Ken nor Terry have ever even um, attempted with us. So, you know, we're, we're going to do our homework. We're going to make sure that whatever we do, it's going to we're going to bring it. And and, uh, and and no matter how much happiness, funniness goes on, we want to make sure that when we pick our instruments up, we, we knock people's socks off. And that's the most important thing. So, yeah, to answer the question, you know, the incomplete would be the obvious one. But, you know, like yourself, after decades of being a band, you know, we have 120 something songs. So for some of us, including myself, I don't want to necessarily be handcuffed by only a perf uh, album performance. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's just me being selfish because some songs these of these last few records, I love them so much. I want fans to hear them and enjoy them. So <clears throat> I don't know yet. I don't. We don't know quite what we're going to do. I think we're going to turn to social media and let our fans um, dive in and and really give us an idea of what they think would be cool. It's um, it's an easy thing to say another album performance. So, you know, it might be a little bit of everything We're we're, um, we're not afraid to try things, but we also want to keep it super cool for, for the people that are spending their money um, in, in supporting us. So um, we're, we're dealing with that right now uh, along with writing the new obituary album. So exciting times as exciting as they can be while handcuffed sitting home, you know, that was going to be my next question, is the new obituary album. That's already kind of, you've talked about it publicly already, right? You guys are working yeah. on it. And so a 2021 release, obviously. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it all depends on, on on this pandemic, you know. That's why <clears throat> I can only imagine musicians are, are around uh, my country and around the rest of the world, I'm guessing, you know, when 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 the pandemic's as bad as it is around the world right now in our, in my country as well um it, it's it's the musicians that are probably the ones doing everything that we can when it comes to your part you know your individual part by just staying home staying away from each other wearing a mask mm -hmm. doing what you can mm -hmm. and then when you're around having to go out and get your groceries and get your fuel in your car and you see people that just really don't care. And, and I think it's, as they say on the news, it's just pandemic fatigue. People are sick of dealing with it. They're the ones that are probably already back at work. That's They're the ones exactly that are still it. able to yeah. go to a restaurant. They're able to go bowling. Yeah. They're able to go watch a movie. Um, the music industry is still 100% on a leash right now. We Our doors are locked and we're locked from inside and we can't do anything about that. So... So it's it's one of those things where yes, Obituary is writing a new album, and I'm super stoked on some of these new songs that we got. And 2021 would be fabulous if we have a release date. But just like everybody, you know, especially nowadays where physical copies are very tough to sell and talk people into buying, um, you know, the the new album is really just that bait on the hook to really keep people happy to to where when you get on tour you can get out there and give them some new music and give them a new album to get their hands on, but also to obviously support you and, and, uh, and, and, and buy a piece of merchandise and come to the show. 
So as you know, what I'm getting at is that, you know, once we are, once these handcuffs are off of all of us musicians, um, the new obituary album will be ready and it will be a worldwide release. But we, in the meantime, we are working our asses off to just make a monster album. That's great. I mean, you do, like you said, we all have the time to, to put some even extra work on it. Um, albums or recordings or doing stuff. So yeah, I guess the, the weight is the, the, the heavy weight, the burden that you guys have to carry is this obituary album has to kill basically right um which is not a bad burden to carry um yeah so that's great i mean that yeah it is great yeah um and, and you know we're, we <clears throat> we've never we've never been a band to to worry to put pressure on ourselves to even look back um in the past or even just the the last album and and put pressure on ourselves like oh my god the last album really went over well we really have to make a great album and oh my god what are we going to do the last one we had this kind of groove and people like this song so maybe we need to think about a song like that we don't ever do anything like that when trevor and i enter the studio or the jam room um there is nothing on our mind except let's just turn the amp on and within the first 15 20 minutes if something comes out and that's usually about the time frame that the good shit comes out um then we roll with it. If not, we don't panic. We just then jam a little bit and, uh, and keep the, keep the thing recording and maybe some riffs come out of it, but we're not the band to sit there and grind for a seven hour day on one song just to try and make it spectacular. Um, some, some, obviously some people have extreme, uh, success doing it that way. Um, but we are that kind of band where we write entire songs, entire albums, uh, without knowing really what my brother's going to do, he'll obviously give us some insight on what what raises his eyebrow, um, and then we move forward that way. But 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 you know we we are the band to be the first to say you know what it's music, it's fun as hell, and we we have the best jobs in the world. It's the most fun. I I don't do anything. I don't do roller coasters. I don't jump out of airplanes. I don't do any of that because. Being behind a drum set is the most fun, and it's been this way since I was nine years old. It is the most excited I can ever be on this planet. I don't know what it is, but just sitting down behind a drum kit and grabbing drumsticks, that is my roller coaster. So so we don't put pressure on ourselves as in, oh, my God, the last album went well. We have to – instead, we're just like, let's just get in there and go for it, man. Let's, let's write what we love, and we know our fans are going to love that. Yeah, I I, I, um, I I agree with you. Um, for us, writing a record, writing songs, if if nothing's hitting, you know, we just pack it up, you know, and just say let's just come in. Nothing ha nothing happened today. Let's just come back tomorrow or come back the next day after, and yep. never kind of push the uh, push it. You know, you, yep. you never you you never come up with anything good. And I always find like the best riffs are the ones that, or the best songs were the ones that took like less than 15 minutes to write from beginning right. to end. So right. at least Agreed. the nubs, percent. yeah, the nubs of the best songs. And then of course, after that, you can maybe massage it out a little bit. Uh, but, right on. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, uh, I, I scratch my head when I see people like, yeah, well, we're going to workshop this. What? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. 
So. Hey, hey, you know what? Maybe some people, maybe that's the way they do it. Maybe that's the mm-hmm. way they've always done it or they don't know any other way. And that's cool, hey, if it works for them. But I'm in your boat, man. It's like, it's music and it's fun. And uh, why, why keep why keep grinding that day if it's not fun anymore and you're just kind of stressing on it? Because yeah. that doesn't help things, you know? If you... You know, if you were a mechanic and you had to get a brake job done, then you still have to just grind through it. But, sure. you know, this is music and it's there forever. You know, the minute you say the song is finished and you hit record and you get it done and the album's done, that shit's forever. So just make sure that it's it's what you wanted. And I know with your albums, uh, as a fan, it just seems like your albums, you uh, you have to be so damn proud when when it's being pressed or when it's being mastered listening back to it and feeling it because because it gives me goosebumps you know i've uh, i've been a fan of yours since uh since you and i met and uh it just seems those albums get better and better and, and oh. you just get you get you just get better and better man and thanks I'm a lot it's not a friend just a friend but as a fan you know i i love i love Every time you release a record, I am the first one at the edge of my seat when I hit play to hear what what's going to happen. And every time I'm blown away, and uh, and it brings joy. You know, Denko music brings me joy. It, absolutely, just goosebumps on the back of my neck. And Lord help me if I'm in my car and I'm listening to a new album because I look down and the next thing I'm doing 100 miles an hour and I didn't even realize it because I'm so pumped. <laughs> oh man oh, thank you so much uh, that means a hell of a lot especially oh. you know these days it, it means a lot to hear that right on well it, you, 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 you deserve it and you are uh, you are high on a totem pole for me and my girl she, she has uh, she saw the light the minute that you know the minute we uh, started listening to it and I've been I've been with her 20 years so uh, we, we are huge fans and, and she's the first to, 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 to sneak one of your albums on when I'm preparing dinner. Next thing I know, I'm hearing some Danko and I'm cooking food way too quickly. I'm going to cut my fingers off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thanks a lot for that. That's awesome. And, and of course, you know, like, the feeling is so mutual. The last few times, I think I've been to every one of your shows the last few times you've been here, except for, I don't yeah. know if the Slayer Tour hit Toronto. I don't think we were... No, in town yeah no we did the europe run so the slayer ah, okay one, the slayer tour that's why you don't remember if it was if you were there or not we did slay, we did the europe run but but yeah man i think the last three three times yeah. um in toronto you have come out and super appreciate that and talk about putting putting the nerve in uh, underneath my skin because you know again anytime a friend shows up it puts a little pressure on it but a friend who i know is brilliant um it always put, puts added pressure and it, it makes me it makes me perform uh better i would think but it also it's uh it's it's one of those things where you don't really remember the show because you were so anxious or nervous or whatever it is i don't know what yeah. the i don't know why that still happens I, after 30 something years of playing drums but it still happens to me i agree i agree as well i mean i remember we played speed fest together like uh five years ago i think <laughs> yeah and uh and I remember before we got before we started, I could see you guys on side stage, and uh, <laughs> it got me nervous too. But it, it, it excited as hell. That right was on. A, that was one yeah. of my favorite gigs of that tour. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and you know, with festivals, you know, you you always you always know. Oh my God, we're playing the same day. That's great. But then the next thing you know, a shuttle 
is, is you know, you're getting shuttled out of there <clears throat> before your friend's performances because usually you're on an airplane or something like that. Yeah. Um, we got lucky that right before we got shuttled out of there, we, we made it a point to run. They're like, where is the band? And they see us running away from the van, <laughs> <laughs> running towards your stage. <laughs> yeah, because a glimpse of it, so that was awesome. I think we were scheduled to play Vakken Open Air on the same day one year, but I don't know what happened. You were in the hotel watching it on live stream because yep. you yep. couldn't. I don't know. Something happened with the. Maybe it was rainy and the vans couldn't. I, don't I forget. Know. Yeah, I forget. But uh, I was t- so bummed out, and um, and sure enough, I remember. I think it might have been Terry or whatever said, "Man, we should we should try to to see if we can find it." And, and so yeah, I ended up sitting there and everyone's eating their lunch because we had nothing better to do but eat the buffet at the hotel and and uh, i had you on my phone with my headphones on yeah I, you know that was great uh, you sent me a, a pic of that <laughs> yeah um, awesome yeah <laughs> how, how how was that um slayer tour because you mentioned that how oh, how man. was that it was unbelievable you know i mean it, like like any metalhead we've been <clears throat> we've been slayer fans since the you know conception and uh <clears throat> for us to be invited especially to the Europe run it was the last leg of it yeah. last Europe leg of it and it was incredible and uh obituary was super honored to be a part of it we were the first band on so that was that whole got at seven o'clock at night when the doors are only open for 30 minutes how many people really are even going to experience mm-hmm. obituary and we were blown away by how quickly they shuffled fans in and how many fans showed up early to, to see Obituary Man? You talk about bringing tears to your eyes, like it really felt re, it felt really good to to see that people made made it a point to get off work early, and uh, <clears throat> and every night to be playing in front of that many thousands of people in those arenas. It was awesome, and the and the crowd response, you know, Obituary really got a warm welcome in every country that we were at from them Slayer fans. So that was super super cool. And was that uh, was that the Slayer with uh, Gary, or was it, was Phil on some of those it, dates? Yeah, it was with Gary. <clears throat> and um, um, in fact, now that you say that, the last four shows, um, Gary had to leave the tour, mm-hmm. and Phil came in. That was so. That was a cool experience, and that was um, uh, Anthrax and Lamb of God were also on that tour, and. Um, <clears throat> So it was it was one of those when we got announced and we realized, my God, we're going on tour with Slayer. You know, it was like that bitter for me, a double bittersweet because it was like Slayer. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm touring with Slayer. But as we all knew that Lombardo was no longer a part of Slayer. So, you know, he was my hero. Right. So it was kind of like, damn, I can't believe that it took me 30 years and now it's not Lombardo. But of course, it's Slayer. So, you know, I was still super stoked. And then with Lamb of God, again, one of my favorite drummers, Chris Adler, um, I was super looking forward to that. And then Chris wasn't in the band anymore. So it was like a double sword right through my heart. I was like, man, is this really happening to me? This is the one time I I could have dreamt as a, you know, 15 year old. Oh, my God, I'm going on tour with Slayer. And then to to be able to experience Chris Adler every night would have been so cool. but anyway, it was it was it was an awesome tour. It really was an awesome tour. Cool experience, and uh, uh, just all around fun time. Man, Slayer crew could have not they couldn't have tra- treated us any better. They were just amazing to us, and uh, and just good memories. 
Wow, yeah. I mean, what a bill. I would think yeah. after the three of you guys, how how are the audience able to take in Slayer after that? It's just a pummeling. <laughs> yeah, it was. But when you when when you saw the stage and the way they came in and the curtain that hid the stage and it drops and the the, the amount of fire on that stage it, it it didn't matter slayer are the kings and they proved it every yeah. night i mean they brought it and it, you know your eyebrows were singed every night and and i looked forward to being singed every night and and uh it was just it was incredible wow wow yeah, I, I wasn't able to catch that tour. I mean, I've seen Slayer many, many times over the years. So, but it would have been nice to to catch that, and you know, knowing what everybody knows in the room, just to feel that vibe, the, like a yeah. finality of it. You know. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you saw just like everybody saw that didn't happen happen to catch it or was wasn't able to see any of that tour is uh, <clears throat> it. it it was amazing. Their, their performance was incredible. It was, they played a long time, but, uh, it was always at the end of the show that Tom would, he would just go without his bass guitar and he would just go stand in front of the stage. And you can tell he was just really soaking it in and looking at everybody. He was just sitting there looking at his audience and you can see tearing them up, tearing up, just, you could see it in his expression that he knew this was, this is the last of the last with his best friends out there in the audience. And, uh, it, it was hard not to get emotional and not just once, but like literally every night watching him saying goodbye and just looking at people and staring them in the eyes. It was, it was moving, man. It was really moving. And, and it just goes to show it showed me just what a human being he is and that he didn't take shit for granted. And he knew that those people worshiped him and he, we know he gave it all his all his whole career, you know, um, and it was just it was it was pretty powerful. It was pretty powerful to watch the the ending of that career for that band. And for me to be a, a little even just a small part of it was was super, super cool. And I was super honored. Where was the last show of that leg? The last show, where was it? I know the first one was in Dublin. I remember that because I was so fucking nervous <laughs> uh but the last date man where was it i i can't even i honestly can't remember oh i i do remember it being somewhere where where uh what do you call it Gl globally like um uh, it was like the worst place you can end a tour for logistics you know for the band having all their gear <laughs> And us being on a bus and having to make it back to Germany, right? It was like it, it ended like the furthest, like Finland or something, and we were just like, "Really, you're gonna you're gonna leave us hanging here, huh?" <laughs> right. But I can't remember the last date, but it was somewhere. It was it was somewhere super far, and uh, it was just great. It was just pretty magical. Wow, that's cool. Um, yeah, man. Another thing that like the last time you were on the podcast. Like I said, I think it was five years ago, and it was. I, I, I re-listened to the episode. It was broken up into two parts. One was a face-to-face -face with you and I on your bus, while you guys were on tour, and then uh, it was over the phone or, or or through Skype, I should say, um, because 
what I hadn't realized talking to you was you guys, you and John, were about to put on the very first Florida Metal Fest. And so we talked about how it was coming up and you were promoting the fest. Since then, have you guys done any more? You know, that's um, it's something that my brother and I um, have been had been wanting to do for a long time. Mm-hmm. We know that Tampa is the you know the epicenter of the beginning of death metal yeah. in, in a way, yeah. or a, a big part of it. And uh, and so we went for it, you know. And uh, <clears throat> Tampa's a tough town uh, to 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 um, get people to come out to shows, so. We, we really wanted to just make it um, like legendary when it came to the the bands that we invited for the first year and it was it was a pretty incredible first year lineup um, so that's that's why like you said we you know we were talking and then I, I totally forgot to even mention it and and then so we jumped on the phone and, and we talked about it and uh, it was it was quite the experience. We our intention is obviously to just make it uh, an annual thing, but we learned real quick it is not easy <laughs> to organize a festival. Yeah. And man, do you need a lot of money to make it happen? <laughs> I can imagine. So there so there wasn't a second one. Not there was not a second one. You know we uh, we we put everything into the first one. <clears throat> and uh, it was super successful when it came to the bands that we invited, yeah. them bringing their performances and the crowd enjoying themselves. We just needed more people in Tampa Bay to show up. And, and, and again, anyone that we talked to uh, prior to putting this first one on, that you know, talking to like other festival owners, um, people that are super experienced in it, they, they all said the same exact thing. Be prepared to lose money on the first one. If you break even on the second one, by the third one you're going to be all right, and it's exactly what happened. What the 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 speed bump that's always there is when we were when we were wanting to and preparing to start um, organization for the second one mm-hmm. is right when we were in the heart of recording the new obituary, and this was this goes back <clears throat> I think to Inked and Blood album, so probably like five five years now, mm-hmm. but. John and I knew that we have to commit a hundred percent for, you know, you need nine months to organize it and to confirm the bands and not to mention just the staff, the venue, the stage production, blah, 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 everything. And me and John were just getting ready to release a record and we had a full world tour scheduled. So we were like, we, you know, you got it. You got to go in a hundred percent. So we had no choice but to just, you know, just to put it on, put it on, on the back burner. And then um, the good, bad, or whatever you want to call it, is we just haven't had time to, to get going and do the second one because, A, that sucks because we wanted it really bad. We knew the momentum. You can't miss years and think it's going to be super successful right off the bat again. But the good part about that is obituary has been super busy and successful right now. So, you know, that's our priority is to is to really focus on 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 obituary, on the albums that we're releasing and on the world tours. So there's time for it. We're definitely going to be doing more Florida Metal Fests. It was the most fun, most proud I've ever been 
um, not behind my drum set, even though Obituary did perform the first Florida Metal Fest. But it was, I, I was so proud of the lineup that we that we put together and that we were able to confirm and, and get the bands here and, and to see my Tampa family metalhead friends in the crowd seeing, you know, it, it was, it's been so many years. It's, it was obituary corrosion of conformity, deicide, trouble, mad ball. Jesus, um, that is an incredible I mean, lineup. It, it was, it was, pretty awesome and then like you know just a lot of a lot of good metal you know we 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 brought in um malevolent creation broken hope um you know it was it was a lot it was probably Mm -hmm. i think 11 i think 11 bands we had on two stages uh, um at the cuban club in in tampa and uh it, it it was super successful we were about we were about 500 people away from breaking even as a promoter and uh, and that was nothing. I mean, it was it, it, we were right there. Um, and it, it had we been able to do a second one and really, really push it and, and get just as a, a amazing lineup. You know, it, the people that told us what to expect, they were dead on. And, and now we know that, you know, you got to fight for it. You got to you got to yeah. lick your wounds and you got to go for it if you really want it. And I want it. I, I think Tampa it deserves uh, a festival like that. Um and the you know the 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 time is there's plenty of time to still try and do it you know we have to be committed to it as a promoter and uh and now that we kind of know what we need to do the next time we do it we 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 know where we left off we know where we left out a lot of revenue to to help us as promoters um the important thing is is the lineup was so legendary i I don't even remember (laughs) my performance i was just so stoked to see trouble on stage and coc on stage just know that reed mullen was was mm. on my stage playing one of my drum kits was the coolest thing in the world yeah yeah that, that is definitely a lineup that's hard to top i mean jesus <laughs> well, yeah it really was and that's you know that was going with your your heart you know we could we we maybe could have probably hindsight maybe tried to find some other bands that could have drawn um, a, 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 a different type of crowd to try and get more bodies in the building. But, you know, because if you're going to put D aside and obituary, you're pretty much bringing the same, same crowd. Yeah. But, yeah. But they're such good friends of ours and we wanted them to be a part of it because they've been, they were the beginning of death metal as well here. And, uh, and then it's the same, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where we, we could have, we could have tried to change the lineup, but I'm super proud um, that we went with our heart, which was the bands that we truly love. And, uh, and it was just, it was really fun. It was really awesome. But you do hit, you did hit a lot of different crowds with Madball and Trouble yeah. and COC. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, and they're, absolutely. They're all bands where in the respective genres where, you know, they've got enough respect and clout and uh, a crowd that they'll bring. Yep. So yeah, it was a pretty for me. I love all kinds of heavy music. So that those those three bands already though, I would already be if they came in to, to Toronto, I'd be like, whoa, what? And then Obituary <laughs> and Deicide as well. What? Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. It was so cool because I mean I'm such a huge thanks to my girlfriend. I'm such a huge COC fan. Um, 
you know, she turned me on to them so long ago and, and they, they have it, they are some of my favorite albums and they are probably, you know, one of, you know, if, if I call it top five, top five favorite bands in the world. And so of course they were my first get, and I just, I, you know, I, I would have done anything to get them there. And, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. they, and it, you know, I think it was pepper when I went, they were playing um, Janice landing a few months before the festival was going to happen. And, and, uh, and he's like, so we're going to do this. And, and I'm like, look, if you guys are in, we're in, man. And he, and he said, well, just don't put me last, man. <laughs> he's like, don't, I mean, you're talking about obituary and deicide in their hometown. So, you know, obituary <laughs> played last and I would be the first to say, I am, I am no headliner over deicide and over COC, but, but, you know, it is my hometown. It was my festival. Yeah. We did something super special and, and we, we somehow, somehow we talked John Oliva to come out from sabotage to come out on stage with obituary. And he sang two sabotage songs with us. Oh my God. You talk about the pride. I mean, my chest was just pumped. I was, I was so proud that a, he said yes, B that he showed up. And then when he got on stage, it was incredible. It was, it was, it was historic, man. Wow. And that was the only, that's the only thing that made even an inkling of obituary being the headliner for a festival like that is that John Oliva, the King himself came walking out on that stage and sang two songs, man. We, we did city beneath the surface and, uh, and um i don't uh, know jeez uh jesus i can't i can't even think of it I'm, I'm still so stoked that john came out it was uh does he you know pr- we call him big we call him big brother john man you know because he's he's been friends of ours for a super long time i don't think he's a you know super familiar with uh obituary when it comes to album after album but he loves the tardy brothers he loves my brother's voice he respects us, and that's the only reason why he said yes to it, and that he actually came out and did it with us. There was not one rehearsal with him. There wasn't even talk of what song. He just said, "What two songs do you want to do?" <laughs> and we were, you know, we were like, "We're going to do these two. And he said, "Okay." And that was it. There was no rehearsal. There was no meeting him beforehand to talk about really. The verse or wow. Like that. He just. He just came out and did it, man. Does it he perform so cool. a lot these days? I he, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. That's not, what I've man. heard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I the only time I, I, I saw Sabotage once, um, on the Hall of the Mountain King album tour. Yeah. That's yep. when I saw them, um, and yeah, I was. I mean, I I didn't know who they were when I was watching them, but he definitely made an impression on me. Yeah, so, one of the best voices, one yeah. of the most powerful voices in the world. Yeah, metal or non-metal, he could have been an opera singer. If yeah, they just dressed him like a witch. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just, he's he's like, he's just the most amazing. He's got whatever he wants in a voice. When 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 those albums, the Hall of the Mountain King and Sirens and Power of the Night and all that, when it came out, it, it was, and, and it being right here in Tampa and us being literally mm. teenagers riding bicycles to go catch a glimpse of them practicing and stuff. I mean, that that's, that's where it all started with obituary. That's where it's in our DNA, sabotage and nasty savage. Right. Those two bands really showed us the light. It wasn't death metal, but it was so killer back then. It really made us want to become a band. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I could see that. I mean, I'm from Toronto and 
Uh, yeah, there's some, you know, sacrifice and, uh, yeah. and, uh, razor for, for yeah. us, you know, so I, I understand how you, you look up to these bands the, before you and you want to do yeah. what they want to do. And then to get to play with them on stage in your hometown is incredible. Yeah, it That's, was cool, man. It was super cool. So yeah, we, we, you know, Florida metal fest too, it's going to happen. We just, we got to. You always got to look super far ahead, almost two years prior to see when right. the obituary album is going to be, when the si- touring cycle might be over, and when we could really, you know, grind and commit to the festival, and uh, and 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 try to go for it, you know. Well, I remember I asked you about that, and uh, I asked you if you were just on the phone during that whole tour with uh, Carcass and Napalm and Voivod, and you said, yeah, you and your brothers would take turns just being on the phone trying to organize the festival while on tour. Yep. Which is crazy. It it is. It is. It's a lot to undertake. I mean, it getting the first one out of the way, at least now, now I know, you know, a, a, you don't have to do it all. You know, you Mm got to rely on the people that you trust and that's your business partners and, and the, and the people that you know can organize stuff. And we do have, um, we do have staff and really good friends that, are pretty much almost almost better at that kind of stuff than than I, I am myself. But mm-hmm. that first one, I just was so hell bound and determined, and nervous to make sure everything was getting done. That you were, you know, you're, you're almost you're almost doing too much. You know, you're you're uh, what do they call it? Um, micromanaging almost. Mm. And, and this time we know if we just if we have if we have the staff that we need that's going to take care of those certain parts of of their of that festival then things are going to be okay and uh, and we know that now and and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to another one that's for sure tampa deserves it you know tampa tampa and central florida uh, really gets looked past a lot when it comes to the to the big festivals uh when they're going around for whatever reason it's not easy to come you know t- florida is a very long state as you know it, it to to, to come and co- for bands to, to make that turn past Atlanta, Georgia, and to commit to a eight hours south just to get down to Tampa to turn around and go eight hours back out of my state, it's logistically, it's usually not feasible and it's not, it's, it's you know, money wise, it's not worth it to, to a lot of the mm-hmm. tours. So that's why I just know Tampa, you know, we deserve we deserve these, these fans deserve, um, a a metal festival and not a death metal festival, you know, a festival just where metal just, you know, that the fans are here. They love it. I mean, you see when the big shows do show up, there are people in Tampa that are, are, are diehards, but you know, just like, you know, just like most, whatever, you don't want to call Tampa a small town, but it's not a big city. And, and, uh, and these fans deserve an, an annual festival like that where they can, look forward to it every year and i know it'll build i know it'll become a, a, an incredible festival if we uh if we just grind and we and we keep going at it yeah i i uh i can't wait you know once this goddamn pandemic is lifted <laughs> yeah. we can all yeah. get back to doing what we need to do and what we want to absolutely. do absolutely so yeah you know and it's like i know your schedule was probably you know looking pretty damn good just like ours the, the mm-hmm. this, this year yeah and 2021 and now now we're all sitting here with our hands up in the air going what the hell i mean what am i 
what how do you what what are we doing do you, do you even make a phone call to your booking agent do you even bother them anymore they're, they're going to mm. get back with you because you know it's going to be the same old same old we yeah. don't have any idea 2021's not looking good with the amount of cases going on right now things don't move quickly in the music industry meaning you don't go set up a tour overnight you know what i mean yeah you know this we all know this as bands and um it's just it just sucks man it's you don't want to feel sorry for yourself but you know and, and you don't want to cry uh cry about it because you know what are you going to do you know you you like we were talking about earlier you take extra time and and make sure your album is going to be sick and 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 just ch channel that into the songs and, and into the lyric and 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 really try to look at 2021 as just imagine when this album does hit the shelves and how much those fans have been waiting for it and how much they're really going to sink their teeth into it and that's kind of what we all have to do as musicians you know our pockets right now are empty and that's the toughest part and we're not there's no hiding that you know so we're yeah. you know we're like all of us all of us are just going how in the world am i going to survive yeah and then just as importantly when am i going to be able to say hello to my friends live on stage you know well that's the reason why you know i decided to do this podcast every week is a to have something to do, but B to to check in with how are all the other people in bands doing? I mean, yeah. are, are we the only ones? And everyone I'm talking to is saying the same thing you're saying, and we're all in yep. this together. That's the yep. comforting thing. Um, so, like I said, it was really, um, it was it was good therapy almost to watch you guys do your live stream for me. Awesome. You know, it was awesome. just like, damn, like, I'm sure they did this because they're probably sick of staying home and not doing it. And so it was really nice to watch you guys do it. Yeah, um, right on. And, and yeah, like talking to people every week and just seeing how they're doing. And we're all kind of just like looking around going, when the hell do we start? This past <laughs> week, however, I mean, off totally off the record. I mean, there was amazing vaccine news. And uh, yes. If the best best possible case is, you know, a year from today, we're yep. starting tours. That would be best case scenario. But worse. Yeah. But I still think like early twenty twenty two, late twenty one. Slowly things will return to normal, man. I I'm yeah. really positive about that. Yeah, I I think you're right on point. And man, what a. I mean that that is, I mean. Thankfully, that is a light at the end of the tunnel. But yeah. man, what a what a depressing long tunnel that is for oh. us musicians who have now been home. You know, March March twelfth was our last show. We were you know we were on tour with Black Label Society and uh and raging and it was, the tour was amazing. We still had thirteen shows to go with Zach and it was awesome. It was so much fun and then all of a sudden done and we were just like God. And that was, it's hard to imagine that it's been nine months that we've been home going, what are we doing? What happened? <laughs> what just happened to me? Yeah, I, I, but you know, like you said, man, I mean, yes, I, I don't watch much of the news, but of course with the vaccines, we know even when they're readily available for the general public, we know it's not an overnight thing. We know everyone's going to have to want to, um, want to participate and get the vaccine. And we really hope that, um, just the general 
public, the human beings on this planet, we, we realize that is it is needed and we all got to do it and we all got to be a part of this thing and, and let's get this thing past us. And, uh, you know, let, let's just hope, like you said, man, that by, by the end of by the end of this year that that we see normalcy and we can start actually booking again and looking at what dates we're going to hit for early 2022 and album release. Can you imagine when you get to put a date on a physical album release in stores and on, on your fans turntables? You know, I can't wait. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we have a tour booked and we rescheduled the dates and we announced it last month, but uh, we've got a tour for October 2021. And I mean, if this vaccine can, if these vaccines can get out in time, yeah. and, man, we could maybe make it, you know? Maybe like, do it. Yeah, that would be awesome. It would be awesome because that yeah, would man. be, oh my well, God. Well, I know, I know that you and I, the only time we ever get to run into each other is either when I'm in your hometown, you're in my hometown, or usually it's at some random festival somewhere on this planet. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to the, to the moment you and I get to, uh, shake hands or fist pump or whatever the hell we're going to do by the time we finally see each other. Knowing me, I'm going to give you a hug and a kiss. So you better be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for it, man. I'm, I'm so ready for it. Hey, you know what else awesome. I wanted to tell you? Like, um, uh, you know, your metal Meowsha, Meowsha, um, <laughs> the metal Meowlisha, the metal Meowlisha. Yeah. It's, um, it's like the militia, but just put a meow in there. I, now I know you're a cat person. Are you a dog yeah. person? Oh, I'm an animal person, man. I've had dogs my whole life. Um, but, but the last, um, 20 years, um, that me and Heather have been together, you know, um, we learned, um, uh, we learned what just, you know, here in Tampa, in Florida, just like anywhere close to the equator on this planet, there's not heavy winters. So the homeless animal population is, is horrible. And here in Tampa, it's cats and it's mm. feral cats. And, and about 15, 16, 17 years ago, I just, you know, I just ended up feeding a cat in my backyard or, you know, when I'm in the drive through at a Burger King, I kind of felt bad for some cats hiding behind a dumpster, blah, blah, blah. And this was about 17 years ago. And, and so I just, I got, I got tired of seeing that and I got tired of, you know, picking up a dead kitten that just got run over by a car. And so I just educated myself and my girl did the same thing. And, and she's kind of the brains behind the operation. And my local humane society here in Tampa has a amazing program um, that tries to help stop the population problem. And what it's called is TNR, trap, neuter, return. Nowadays, they call it trap, neuter, vaccinate, return. And it's exactly what that is. Cats don't run around town. They don't just keep running around. They just find their niche and then they hide behind like a dumpster or behind an apartment complex and they start colonies and mm -hmm. they just keep breeding because they don't have, they don't know any better. It's not their fault. They're homeless. And uh, so, <clears throat> so what I did was I just, I started um, doing what is called trap, neuter, return. And the Humane Society allows you to borrow as many traps as you want. You just put a little piece of food at one end of it. The cat walks in and into the trap after a little piece of food and the door shuts behind it. You take it into the Humane Society. They fix it. They give it its vaccinations and they tip, they take a little tip off the left 
the top of their left ear. That's why it's also called the tip deer program. And then when it recovers, you know, that next morning when it wakes up and you know it's okay and, you know, off the anesthesia, you bring it back right where you trapped it, right behind that same dumpster or whatever, Mm -hmm. and you release it. So it knows where it is. It still gets to live its life, but it's now sterile and it's been, it's had its rabies vaccination. So, right. so we started doing that just at, you know, at, at the local gas station and then it turned into five or six different places. And so long story, after 16 years of doing this, I have about 30 locations that all have been trap neutered returned. And, um, it's about a little over a little under 100 cats in 30 different spots here right here in in my town it's not very far it's only about you know i'm not kidding if i say it's only about five or six square miles i don't drive i'm not some dude driving around all around of a place throwing food out my window um but what it is is you know now they're they're established colonies they've all been fixed so they're not having babies anymore but now it just needs constant monitoring because, you know, if a new female shows up and there happens to be a new ma- a new male that I haven't seen, you know, she gets pregnant real quick. Yeah. And cats, cats only, their gestation period is only 61 days. So meaning she gets pregnant and within within 61 days she's having babies. And then they right. can be pregnant again at four months old. So you can just see the process, how quickly oh, it, yeah. it can explode again. So what I do as a good Samaritan, as a cat lover, as an animal person is uh, before before Heather and I eat our dinner, I go out and I, I it's about two hours of my time. I go I'm I'm basically like Meals on Wheels. I uh, I have a little route a uh, little route almost like if I was a FedEx driver or something, and I go and I hit my 30 locations. I make sure they got fresh water and food. I kind of scan the area to make sure there's no injuries, no new cats being sh- you know shown up. If there's a new one, that next Sunday when I do my trap neuter return. Um, I'll, I'll make a note where I saw a new one and I, mm-hmm. I do the same process and I bring them back and, um, all my colonies are pretty much maintained now. And, uh, I just got a big heart. You know, we just, we spend quite a lot of money on, on the food for the ferals. Um, I, 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 I use about 30 pounds of dry food and 30 cans a night. Wow. So, uh, so it, you know, it adds up, but again, I don't have, I don't have human children. I just, uh, I, I take two hours of my time and it, it really brings me joy to go out there and see everyone jump out of the bushes when I come pulling in and, you know, because <laughs> they know you now. Face yeah. And, yeah. And, and so I just, I provide them with, you know, food and fresh water every night before I have my dinner. And, uh, and that's what the Meowlisha is, you know, it's nothing special. Everyone's like, is it, is it a sanctuary? You guys have like this big piece of property where there's cats. And I'm just like, no, I, all I do is take care of homeless, you know? And, um, and so, you know, if, if people are interested, you know, we have a Facebook page that I, I post some of my colonies, um, you know, kind of what I do and just feeding them. And a lot of it was at, at first, you know, was um, finding any anytime I can find the kittens that are under like two months old, mm-hmm. I can snatch them out of there and bring them to my bathroom and socialize them. If they're friendly enough, they get fixed, they get vaccinated, and they go into an adoption program through two different um, rescue groups that help me out. Right. And so we, you know, we stop the population problem that way. And then also, if they're, you know, if they're scared cats, that's what feral means. Feral just simply means they don't trust humans. They they're not they're not adoptable. They go back out and they get to at least live their lives out where they were, and uh, they get at least fresh water and food every night. Wow, that is. I mean that is uh, 
It's amazing that you do that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm blown away by it. Is Do you guys have merch? Does the metal... Does the I, me- do, I do not. I, it's funny because, I, you know, I'm such a... I, I do so much... And you, you know, you would think just getting a shirt printed would be the easy thing. And I've had, you know, I've had, I got like a couple different designs, really simple, silly ones, obviously just simple, silly cat ones, but, um, I have never printed them yet. And, and, uh, I, I'm thinking that you and I talking about this is going to finally put the flame under, (laughs) under, under my ass to get a, just a one, one of my simple little cute little cat print designs, um, up just whatever, raise a little funds and raise a little awareness. You know, I, I always, I always enjoy raising awareness more than trying to raise the funds because, uh, again, I don't have human kids and hum, human children are super expensive. I know that from Trevor and, and Terry and Ken and my brother all have children. I see how much, hmm. how expensive it is to have children. So Heather and I don't, and uh, that's where we kind of spend all our money. But, right. um, so yeah, if anyone's interested, just to at least see what I do, because I do, I do try to make it kind of fun and interesting on our Facebook page. So, if they just search Meowlicia, you know, like Meow, uh, just like Metal Militia, just put Meow in front of it. I think you could even just search Meowlicia, and and it'll pop up. You'll see my face. You'll see my ugly mug. Uh, you can't mistake the big red beard. Right. <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, I, I. I love raising awareness and I love showing people some of the cute things that I do with, with, uh, with my colonies. A lot of people wish they could see more, but like this time of year, I don't start my feeding. I don't go out until about 7 PM just cause if not, it's so hot in Florida that ants get all over the food. The cats aren't out in the daytime. So it's hard for me to capture a lot of my colonies and a lot of my feeding and my interaction with them because it's like this time of year, November, it's dark by 5.30 in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah. I'm going out, it's pitch black before I even leave my driveway. So, so, um, but there's plenty, there's plenty on the Meowlisha page if people are, are interested. And I, I think they'll find it pretty cool. Um, lately, the last thing I, I did, and it, it actually went very well, is uh, since this pandemic, you know, I've, I've been home and I'm like, you know, basically running super low on funds on how to, how am I going to, how am I going to buy cat food? I, I don't mind yeah. living off myself, off living off peanut butter and jelly and, and bologna sandwiches. I'm totally cool with that, but, but I don't want to, I don't want to not feed my colonies. You know, they don't, they don't deserve not getting fed just because I'm broke. So <clears throat> about, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, a couple, I guess a month or so ago, I, I did something cool at our studio where I, uh, I did a day in the life with DT. You know, I just said, you want to follow Donald around? Um, here's one day of what I do. And it was just me basically messing around in the studio, playing drums. I let everyone kind of see me practice a little bit. Um, I went out and fed some of my colonies. I let them meet a couple of the cats. And then, uh, and, and then I think I even added, um, uh, at the end of it is a, a tardy brothers, you know, uh, me and my brother did an album a few years back, quite a few years back called tardy brothers. Tardy brothers. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I just, I, I wrote all the songs. I'm a, a guitar player as well. So I played, you know, all the instruments on, on the album. And, uh, so anyway, I, I made a, just a silly music video of me in the garage. Cause I'm in there by myself. Totally. You know, the band's nowhere to be found. I don't even have a band for the tardy brothers. It's just me. And uh, so I just did some fake air guitar solos because on the al- on the actual album I had 
quite a few, about four or five different really, really amazing guitar players put solos down for me because I'm only a songwriter on guitar. I, I only play rhythm. I have no idea how to how to play a solo. So, <laughs> right. so I would, so I just did some silly shit, you know, just you know pl- playing the song itself on drums and on rhythm guitar, but then just uh, obviously just acting a fool and, and playing air guitar um, to some of my favorite solos on that record. So it's interesting if people want to see it. They So what it was is I made a cool little episode and I just said, hey, man, if you guys, if, if you donate, I'll send you a private link to my YouTube page and you get to see an episode of A Day in the Life of, of the Meowlisha and, and, and followed, uh, follow me around for the day. And it's not long. It was only less than a 10 minute video for people to check out. And people loved it. They were like, "That was incredible, man! If you do another one, I'd be happy to donate." So, that was a uh, that was super inspiring for me. Um, and then, of course, these live stream events for obituaries took took hold of my brain. And I had, you know, for the last month now, I've been really focused on those. Yeah. But um, but I'm now working on episode two, and uh, really looking forward to people seeing it and giving me their insight and tell me what they like and what they want to see more of. I wanted to say that. Because since the last time I heard about this, I've got a, I've got a, um, an adopted uh, rescue dog, found on the streets of Mexico City, and he, he's uh, he's got a few issues, but yeah. uh, you know it, it goes with the territory. But absolutely, it, yeah. So I thought you of all, you. You know, sometimes with issues, you you also you will also find that the appreciativeness or whatever the word is that. People, some people wouldn't understand that or they don't believe that a, an animal would have an extra appreciate, appreciation for being rescued. But I really do believe there is something inside their DNA, too, that they do realize it. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's super it's that's super special when you see them get extra snuggly in your lap or they just they seem to look at you extra like really stare a hole in you extra more like, thanks, dad. Like, you, I don't even know why I'm here, but man, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. To the point where no dogs are allowed anywhere near. <laughs> like, yeah, we are, you know, he's very territorial and he's really reactive. So, um, yeah, it, it makes for, you know, some raised eyebrows in the neighborhood. Like, yeah, <laughs> he goes ballistic. <laughs> um, but in the, in this pandemic, when you're supposed to keep distance it's sometimes it's coming handy you know he scared people away so um but yeah yeah, just yeah because that's great man congratulations and thanks for doing that for for you for your dog that's awesome yeah that happened uh two years ago but when we got him um i thought of you just because of you know all the cats that you take care of yeah oh that's great yeah so that's awesome but uh but anyways, uh, Donald, thanks for, for doing this, man. Um, I don't want to take up right any more time of yours. But honestly, right it, it was just great to, to talk to you and touch base with you during this crazy time. Awesome, man. That was my pleasure. I, you know, whether it was a podcast or knowing we were being recorded or not, it's just nice talking to a friend and a friend, especially in the music industry. And just like you said, venting to each other and realizing yeah. we're all in this thing together and it sucks right now. But we're going to get through it and uh before we know it before we know it we're going to be on stage raging again yeah exactly man um and it's nice to talk to to you and and to i don't know for me it might be selfish but it's just really comforting knowing that you know we're not the only ones and you guys are in the same we're in the we're in the same boat 
There's a boat, yeah, and we we're are. all together in it. Yeah, so. that's for sure, man. I, yeah. I, I, I 100% agree, understand, and, and, and could not agree more with you on that one for sure, dude. Yeah, man. Well, um, yeah, man, say hi to all the guys, and say hi to Ken for me too, man. It's, uh, I, I certainly will. Great to I see him. I certainly will. It's great. Awesome, and I, I'm, I'll, be the first to, I'll be the first to say I am looking forward to some new Danko. Uh, or which I know <clears throat> your album, <clears throat> the um, 2019 release. It's obviously not old at all, and I can't get enough of it. Uh, Rock Supreme, but <clears throat> I am always looking forward to the, even the idea that there might be new riffs coming up in your brain. I'm super stoked on that. And uh, you know, here comes 2021. Let's let's hope yeah. that we at least get a light at the end of the tunnel by the end of this year. Right on, Danko. Okay, Donald. Thanks, man. Great talking to you, man. It felt great to talk to you. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And I super enjoyed that myself. And I'm really looking forward to the future when we finally get to run into each other again. (laughs) I will give you the hug. And I'm not even a hugger. (laughs) I'm going to run to you, man. Watch out. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, dude. All right, man. Peace out. All right. Later, man. Take it easy. Yep. Yep, You too. Later. Later.